fucks up everything. The trade deadline has come and gone, and no Blues have either come or gone. So will the Blues come or go to the playoffs? That's for two guys whose 20s are decisively gone to talk about. So let's come started, and let's go Blues. Two Guys, One Cup podcast. It is Saturday, April 17th, and we are here, Ian. We are both officially in our 30s. There's no more hope left mm-hmm. for this podcast <laughs> or for this world. It's all over. This is the peak. We've peaked. How are you doing? It's just downhill. Fine, fine, early, just not quite afternoon as I'm saying this sentence, unless I stretch out this sentence really long. How are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> Oh, it, it just, it, I was like, yeah, I just hit noon on my computer. We're good. There we go. Um, yep. But we're not really afternoon, are we? I mean, I guess we are. That's by like true. Seconds, I guess we got to talk know, for another minute. We're at know, noon. It's in, in the East Coast. Cup at noon. That's right. And that's our, that's our NS, NSFW show, as most noontime shows are, you know? So. Yeah, but people aren't listening to the radio. Um, that's right. I'm doing well. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing good for... For 30, 30 and and six or seven or eight months, however far in I am. Um, people mm. stop talking about being a half a year after what age? Like five? Yeah, probably. I'm five and a half. And they're like, no, yeah. I don't care anymore. Doesn't matter, punk. You know, but that's a big that's a lot of your life when you're that young, you know. That's true. A half okay. years matter. Yeah, but uh, not for us, not for us old folks. <laughs> I spent the very, very late part of my 20s with the stomach oh flu, uh, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh. that's that's just an experience. I got to tell you, I don't mean to get rude, but my muscles hurt yesterday. I had it Thursday that it was really bad. And yesterday I was fine, like my digestive system was fine and my whole body hurt because of the exertion of throwing up repeatedly. And I don't like that. I don't like how the body is. I don't like it. There was a ring of muscles around my neck that I didn't even know I had that had apparently tried really hard to expel the toxins from my body and they were tired and sore yesterday. So here we are. It's day three post stomach flu. I'm surviving, you know, uh, still not feeling like the the greatest person on earth, but that could just be being thirty. And Ian, I'm so glad it's here because now I got to now I don't have to think about this is the last time you'll ever do bleh in your twenties, you know, because it's over. And all the things that I was like, well, you should really do this before you're thirty. Now I can just give up on them. So <laughs> you know, really, I at least don't have to worry about them for another decade, you know. So yeah, bury your dreams. I'm glad dead. it's here. I'm, I'm glad we've crossed this threshold. Speaking of crossing tell- thresholds, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah, I got to tell you, the, the worst thing about being 30 is that, like, the barrier is down to 40. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you never had to worry about 40 when you were, like, 28. Because, like, I'm not even 30 yet. But now you're 30 and you're like, oh, oh, no. Yeah, yep, yep. There's no uh, there's no horizon there. That is, that is the horizon. 
There's no turning so, back. Yeah. You you could turn back before 30, um, surprisingly, yeah, but there's right, no turning exactly. back I, now. For some reason yesterday, I didn't just re rewind until I was 22. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, you, <laughs> but, missed, you missed your one uh, opportunity. That was, what an idiot. What an idiot. Um, but yeah, speaking of crossing thresholds, Ian, we have crossed the threshold of the trade deadline. Uh, and I would say an uneventful one, not just here, but around the league, around the entire NHL. A very uneventful. Um, a couple, a couple of big moves, a couple of surprise moves, a couple of exciting, you know, deals that folks didn't necessarily see coming. Um, but other than that, you know, the Blues did nothing, as we'll talk about in extents. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> I will talk about extensively here in the in the near future, but. Um, how do you want to, how do you want to break this down? Do you want to go chronologically and then do trade deadline last, or do you want to go, how do you, what do you think? What makes the most sense to you? Uh, I mean, where is your, where's your rage pointing you, you know, where's the you rage know, feel like you need, we need to start. I literally expelled toxins from my body for a whole day on Thursday to get over some of the rage I had, but there's still a surprising amount of it there. But I say we go, we at least start before the deadline. We go up mm. to the deadline and then we can kind of decide if we want to do trades and then, you know, the rest of it or how we want to do it from there. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. I think we got to, we got to start positive. Thankfully, the way the blues played, it did start that way. And, you know, it That's just right. sends back into madness. That's right. This was um, one of the three games that convinced Doug Armstrong to hold Pat at the deadline was, uh, uh, you know, a, a bloodbath. It was a bloodbath. I think we can call it that. Mm -hmm. And um, in the positive. Wild, yeah. Hey, <laughs> and Mike Hoffman was scratched for the second game in a row, but then didn't get traded because that makes sense. Um, mm. And uh, wow, I'm, it's bubbling back up, Ian. Um, but <laughs> I know he's going to expel more bile. That's right. So maybe I've got a trash can nearby just in case, you know, but I've got the Blues won nine to one in this game. Goals they couldn't from, get 10. I mean, they couldn't get to 10. Yeah, I mean, no, they couldn't, couldn't give us the, the dozen donut deal. I don't know. That would be, wouldn't that be hilarious if Krispy Kreme set a deal for 10 goals in an NHL game and it wasn't even a free dozen. It was like 50 cents off. You know? Yeah. You got 50 cents <laughs> off uh, your 10th donut. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we're not going to go through every goal in this game because that'd be ridiculous, but you got goals from Samford, Schwartz, Schwartz, play O'Reilly, O'Reilly, Falk, O'Reilly and Barbashev. And then with a Parise mixed in there just for funsies. Remember how a year ago at this time he was going to be a New York Islander and then wasn't? That mm -hmm. was fun. That was Man, fun. they, I think they dodged a bullet there, right? Because like, who were they bringing oh, yeah. back? Who's Andrew that? Lad, I think. Yeah. Whew. I mean, they're both old and not as good as they used to be, but I'd much rather have Zach Parise, I think. Oh, for sure. I think for sure. Um, I don't know anything. It, it's funny to me that they got the third goal in this. So it was two to one and they could have just scored, you know, and, and tied it or whatever. And then they very much did not. And from mm -hmm. there, it was just a bloodletting. Uh, I didn't get to see a lot of this game and I don't remember why, but do you, do you have any uh, overall thoughts or any goals you particularly wanted to highlight? What's the name of their goal again? 
Because I want to call him Capo Kakinen, but that's not it. Not Devin. Oh, uh, that's right. No, you were right. Capo Kakinen. Oh, really? Okay. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, one of them. As the young goalie. Not, yes. So not he was Devin in Dubnik because he ain't there no more. No, no, he's long gone. Um, he was in the entire game, which I think, you oh, know, Dean Evanson, uh, hats off to you, I think. I mean, for I us, obviously. In a way, I suppose. <laughs> I, I like that. His, I think his comments after the game were like, well, we had to keep him in because more or less we just didn't want to put Talbot in because he had to play the next game. <laughs> like it wasn't even, it wasn't even all like, Oh, we really believed in him and we just want him to work through it. And, you know, it, our team let him down. It was more just like, yeah, you know, we're really trying to manage people's minutes. So we said, sorry. Um, I don't think he played well according to wild fans um, or even just probably the stats uh, prior to this game, either the last couple of games he started, but you know, that's, that's on them. We want to talk blues here, like good for the blues for showing up and putting a boatload of goals in on them. You know, I don't think we've seen, I think we've seen eight in the couple of seasons ago. I think I was at a game where they scored like eight against the Oilers. Nine's been a while. I don't think they've done 10 since like 2010 or 2011 when like Chris mm-hmm. Porter had to, I distinctly remember it was against the Red Wings. We were out of the playoffs. Porter scored the 10th goal and his his celebration is just him shrugging <laughs> and skating to the bench and it's so good um but yeah i mean good on the blues good on ryan o'reilly a hat trick a hat trick post game because i think they were giving his third goal to waldman and i think they said o'reilly like tipped it in with a stick or his pants or something like that um get I mean, just get ben jake waldman yeah <laughs> yeah you get one we should talk goal, about sorry. jake waldman at some point because that dude has been a revelation <laughs> Yeah, he's been, he's he's been uh, you know he Vince Dunn took his job and now he's coming for Vince Dunn's job. Now know? he's now he's taking it back. He uh, I believe is and obviously it, it's very weighted because he hasn't played as many minutes, but he's like first on the team and expected goals for percentage. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look it up here, but keep talking about the game. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, yeah, so he's he's looked pretty good uh, so far in like the handful of games that he's played. I mean, our power play got a goal in this. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly got a shorthanded goal. I thought he looked, I don't know. Ryan O'Reilly scores like he has a style of goal that he scores, and I just call them like hard working goals. And mm-hmm. like, there's no way to describe it other than that. I feel like, and the goals he had were like Ryan O'Reilly style goals, where he just kind of like skates roughly into the zone and just like chops a puck and it's like it went in it went it's just like i don't know i swear everything he ever does looks like that guy's trying so damn hard um Mm -hmm. no i'm just happy to see him show up on the on the scoreboard Jaden schwartz again it's it's like it always is with that guy when he starts scoring he just scores in in you know buckets and then you'll then you'll go away for a while um same with sammy boy who scored his fifth goal oh yeah (laughs) yeah we'll talk about that um yeah i mean overall it was just it was an amazing game i don't even think i caught like the first half of it i think i remember mm-hmm. literally asking um my alexa my 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 echo dot thank you thank you steven um oh, what yeah, what welcome. the score was and i would check every once in a while and it seemed like every time it was another goal or it was like two goals and i was like wow i think we were out getting like <laughs> dinner or something and it was four one and then i came back mm-hmm. and it was five one and i was telling my fiance i was like you know what um i should turn this game on 
but I know if I turn the game on, they're not going to score anymore. It's just going to be five one or wild will make it like five, three or something. And then I mm-hmm. proceeded to watch four more goals get scored. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. never mind. Um, neat. There was, there was total aside. There was a game I think I went to like two or three years ago where the blues scored like three or four goals, like really early. And I showed up to the game late, and then I think the other team didn't even score the rest of the game, and we left, and we had won. And I was like, I didn't see a single goal this game, but we won, so I guess that's. I got to, I went to a game at Bush once, and we had we got there and they had forgotten our tickets, so we had to turn around, print them, and come back. I turned Mm. around, printed them somewhere in like Clayton or something. But we came back, we parked on the top of a parking garage, and we like heard the crowd roar and the fireworks from the Cardinals hitting a home run in the first inning. And I'm pretty sure they then won it like one to nothing or two to like whatever the score was from that one home run that we'd missed. And that was the whole game, but Hey, you know, it's a win. Yeah. Uh, Jake Wallman is first on the team, by the way, and on ice expected goals for percentage. So weighted by time, very impressive. Of course, wow. Robert Bortuzzo is number two. So, you know, that's, that's the company you keep. Jaden Schwartz, Jacob Delarose, and Robert Thomas rounding out the top five. And only four of those players are even above 50%. So, you know, not a not a great indicator for the way the Blues season is going so far this for so far. LR. Yeah, and I mean stats for this game are obviously pretty weighted for the Blues. 38 shots to 25, 55% on the faceoff circle, uh, one for two on the power play. You got they have 15 blocks for also being a team that you know have more shots on that, so like good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, 52% on Corsi four, obviously more high danger chances, eight to four for them, uh, even strength on five on five. And so, you know, it was, it was a pretty, pretty dominant game. I was just glad to see that they kind of kept the foot on the gas and that you didn't see the wild come back. Um, you know, like you said, it was two on at one point. I mean, even when it's four one. Uh, after the or at the end of the first, it's like it's still not necessarily over. Um, we've seen that you know go the other way for the Blues too. So it was just good to see oh, a yeah. convincing win, I guess, especially against a team that's they're chasing. You know, the team that's right ahead of them. Um, and we talked about it. You know, if they if they want to make the playoffs, they a have to beat these teams, and then if they do beat these teams, then you have a little bit more confidence as far as them being able to make some noise in the playoffs. For sure, absolutely. Um, I think it's hilarious that in a nine to one game, our expected goals were still two. (laughs) Granted that's a five on five and we did score a power play in the shorthanded goal, but what it might be three if it's a, you know, all strings, Mm -hmm. but probably not even that. Um, So that's always funny to me. Uh, These quotes from, from old Ryan O'Reilly. I think it's nice to help our goaltenders out and score some goals. We think putting the puck in the net is a good feeling. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Something we want to continue. That's for sure. I hope that was said with like a wry, like a, <laughs> you know, but probably not knowing. Right. No, no, he's very serious. Like staring through the opposite wall. <laughs> painful gaze. Uh, Schwartz says throughout a season, you're going to have some times when you're not scoring as much as you'd like. You're not going to get rewarded for some of the work you're doing. That's, that's true for you all the time. Jay. Yeah. That's his um, career in a nutshell. Uh, we were kind of going through a bit of a funk there and it was frustrating for everyone. Everyone was probably gripping, gripping it, but we did a good job of staying with it. Tonight we got rewarded. It's a funny game sometimes when the way bounces with the way bounces go. It was nice to see everyone chipping in today. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it's a good game. You know, I think it's, it's positive developments all around for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's still, it's one game after, what is this, your second win after a seven game winning, losing streak. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I didn't want to read too much into this. How did you feel after this one? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's a very convincing win, but it is also one of those things where um, what did we talk about in the last game? The last game was beating Vegas, right? And and um, Bennington to sit on his head, you know, stand on his head there to get us that win. And it's kind of just the reverse, really, right? Where you're like, okay, now we scored nine goals. Like, that's really good. I just don't expect that to obviously happen all the time. But you're like, okay, that's fine. You know, win's a win but you kind of had two different wins that were kind of extremes on both ends as far as how you won. You're like, okay, we get a little average of that or something a little more consistent looking. Um, You have a little bit more faith. You know what I'm saying? Like this just feels like great wins. You want the wins, but you're also kind of wondering, okay, what does this team look like when it's like a close game? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, You know, I just, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think three games was enough of a sample size to judge this team guy going into the trade deadline. Uh, but apparently Doug Armstrong didn't agree as we'll get to here. In a- <laughs> Unfortunately, the blues did not have more games before the trade deadline. They just had one more game, not a bevy of more games. And uh, they did win that one game in, uh, I wouldn't call it convincing fashion. I wouldn't call it convincing fashion. <laughs> But uh, the Blues get the 3-2 win in overtime over the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Billy Husso got the start in this one. And hey, mm-hmm. he didn't even allow a goal until the very, 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 very end of the first period. He's getting better. Has he, had a, has he had a single start where he hasn't allowed a first period goal? I bet he hasn't. Um, but, you know, we're getting close. <laughs> we're, cutting, we're getting to the end. Um, Mike Hoffman's back in the lineup and boy, did he make an impact. I, at some point later in this episode, I'm just going to rant about Mike Hoffman and it has nothing to do with him. He's a complete innocent bystander in this situation. Uh, but we won't do Poor that. Mike. Poor guy. I really, I do kind of feel bad for him. Uh, Vince Dunn with three assists in this game, making his case to not be traded at the deadline. And uh, Robert Thomas is considered week to week with an injury. Of course, poor guy. I really wanted this to be like his breakout season. And as you talked about at the start of the season, in a way it's good because now we don't have to give him some big, you know, six by six sort of contract or something. Um, Um, But, uh, you know, it's it's still rough for sure. Nico Sturm, the uh, joyful German, as they call him, (laughs) Minnesota. Opens the scoring on an assist from, I think it's Jason Cramarosa, but who cares? Probably, I love that name. Probably want... his last NHL assist, you know? <laughs> um, I'm First sorry. and his last. Yeah, that's right. He must have had at least one other. Uh, but, you know, Mike Hoffman with a power play goal. Mike Hoffman on the power play. And what are your thoughts about that? That's an interesting... Uh... I mean, <laughs> what a development. Um good good that's what that's the first thing that comes to mind good that's felt like uh justified like when he scored i was just nodding my head like yes yeah, see this is what's supposed to happen um 
still on the, you know, second power play unit because, you know, assisted by Dunn and Bozak, good for that unit, but also, you know, like what's, what's the deal. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a, it's a Mike Hoffman goal. It's a, it's a one-timer. It's in, it's baby. It's his 10th goal of the season. I got to tell you, even though he hasn't been scoring a ton of goals um, and it's been kind of inconsistent for, again, not necessarily all his fault either. Um, still having 10, 11, what turns out to be more, you know, in the next couple games, uh, yeah. it's pretty good for, for someone that's been misutilized, <laughs> misused. Oh, his numbers are fantastic, really, when you consider all he's been put through. Joseph Cramarosa, by the way, I um, love stories like this. He debuted in the 2016-17 season. He played 59 games and had 10 points, four goals and six assists, split between Anaheim and Vancouver. He has not played since the 2016-17 season. And then this year he got four, he's gotten four games with the Minnesota Wild and has that one assist. How do you go five years of not playing in the top level pro league and then you're just back? You're just fine. You know, you're just an NHL level player again. <laughs> he was drafted in the third round by the Anaheim Ducks. Let's look at his elite prospects. What do he do in between there? San Diego goals. Stockton Heat, Wilkes-Barre Penguins. He was an assist alternate captain with the Wilkes-Barre Penguins. And then the Rockford Ice Hogs and the Iowa Wild and now the Minnesota Wild. So, you know, the man's been grinding it out. And now he's back in the NHL. Good for Joseph Cramarosa. But anyway, uh, yeah, Mike Hoffman, uh, I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold until at least at the deadline and maybe after to really just unleash the fury that I have built up over his situation. Matt Dumba, uh, a very good, very good defenseman, cornerstone defenseman for my fantasy draft rebuilt um, Buffalo Sabres in uh, NHL 21, you know, got the, got the first overall pick. So you get Connor McDavid and, you know, you don't worry about the defense so much. So you build around Matt Dumba in like the fourth and fifth round. It's everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. Ian. <laughs> My second line is like uh, Jamie Drysdale and uh, one of the other like blue chip super, oh, Bowen Byram. And it's like, <laughs> they're going to be amazing in three years, but right now that shouldn't be a second NHL line. line. Um, the kid line, the cardiac kids. Yeah, <laughs> but in any case, uh, Matt Dumbo with the goal here on the power play. Two to one going into the third. Uh, what were you thinking? Were you thinking it was a loss or did you think we had a comeback in us? Uh, you know, going into the third, I thought we, I thought we had something in us, but then in the third, I thought it was over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the Corsi four didn't favor us. The high danger chances certainly didn't favor us in that period. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we did what we've done multiple times. I think Mike Hoffman, I think the franchise has four, uh, six on five goals to tie games late in the season in their last maybe five years of existence. And I think Mike Hoffman has five of them for this <laughs> franchise. I think he has one more than the franchise total. He's done it again. His snipes are snipe-like. He's a regular Chris Kyle. Is that the guy's name, Chris Kyle, the American sniper? I'm going to say Chris Kyle. I think Probably so. Probably not right. Uh, but um, Vince Dunn with the assist here, David Perron as well. Um and then uh, in overtime, just the utter disrespect by Ryan O'Reilly, the audacity of this man to score this goal was just off the charts. To lift, to lift a backhand wraparound in the final seconds of overtime over Cam Talbot into the top of the net, just 
it was beautiful and horrifying to watch. I mean, it was so incredible. What did you think about that goal? Yeah, I felt bad for Cam Talbot on all the all the replays because I was like, man, let like, yeah, I guess don't <laughs> like don't allow that over your shoulder, but yeah. also like, what are you supposed to do? Like as a goal, yeah, you're supposed to was... be on your knees and also like stretch your shoulder all the way to the top corner and be like, no, 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 sir, just in case, just in case you backhanded up there and in the severe angle at two seconds left. Um, yeah, I liked Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, just, to, I mean, just trying something, just put it on net and, uh, and it worked. And it was, I got to say, like for a team that didn't look amazing in the third and then sort of coming on late, it was nice to see them. I don't know. It's nice to see him have a come from behind win. Again, it was like we talked about the other two games were a lot about um, Bennington standing on his head and then us putting in nine goals. And so they're kind of the extremes. And I guess this is kind of another extreme in the sense that you just eked one out at the, at the end, but you know, I'll take, I'll take the win. I'll take the tie at the end of the game there too, just because it it shows a little, a little uh, tenacity. And again, you put Mike Hoffman in and things happen. Good things happen, apparently, um, when yeah. used in the right Renate scenarios. Like, I know you'll get to it, but yeah, my point is, like, the guy is not an amazing two-way player, and he never has been, and if you put him in the offensive zone to work, then he will work. And so, you know, power play time, six-on-five time, um, some time on, on lines that are going to going to generate some of that offensive zone possession and and amazingly he can capitalize on that so to me this game really I mean it was a win it was a nice win come from behind win but the thing I took away from it the most was like this team can use Mike Hoffman when he's used correctly and it just highlights even more how misused he's been and like just I don't know how frustrating that can be um, to watch yeah, uh, I'm watching this goal. I will get on Mike Hoffman, but I'm watching this goal one more time. First of all, props uh, to Vince Dunn as he carries out of the zone and then back in and holds Kaprizov off the whole time. By the way, is this is Kaprizov one of those Kaprizov guys that we're supposed to pronounce it that way? Because I bet he is. And I, don't I don't know. I feel like every time I hear someone say his name, it's like a, it's a third or fourth way of saying it. Yeah, I'm not down with the Kaprizov. But also... Um, there's literally nothing Cam Talbot could have done. Like he could have been standing against the yeah. post, <laughs> yeah. like a true, like a VH, like standing up and that's it. Because that's a, that's a, like a zero percentage shot. That's not a low percentage shot. It's a zero percentage shot. He lifts that right into the top corner. I mean, I'm not calling Cam Talbot the second coming of Dominic Hasek or anything, but I literally have no idea what he could have done there. Um, that's just filth from Ryan O'Reilly. And, you know, that's why uh, why he's the captain. It's why, you know, there was a period <laughs> of time, I, I wasn't worried about Ryan O'Reilly. Like I knew he was a good player, but there was a period of time I was like, oh man, you know, he's he wears, he wears his emotions so much mm. that it's like, maybe captain isn't the right fit for him. And now I'm like, nah, this guy's got it. You know, he's good. Um, the... Uh, trade deadline was after this. Oh, well, let's read the quotes here. O'Reilly on his goal said, I had a general idea how much time was left. As I was coming out of the zone, I saw we didn't have much time. 
and still time to make a play, obviously. But I knew when I was coming towards Shinner that I've got to finish something at the net here and try to attack. Luckily, the timing was good and we got it. Uh, very humble. Uh, Mike Hoffman, <laughs> you just got to get pucks to the net. It's never pretty six on five. The ice is all chewed up. Uh, you can hardly make a flat pass. You're just trying to get pucks there and hopefully get a lucky bounce, which we did. And then on being scratched in two previous games, he said, it's the NHL. It's part of the business that we work in. Those are the things that happen throughout a season. Sometimes you've got to deal with them. We got to mention, was, you said you said the super dejected. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, was that man, you saw him talk. Did he seem like a guy who thought he was going to be on this team uh, a few days later? Because I sure don't think he did. No, I, um, I, I have a face of a guy that was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll be packing my bags for Boston or whatever. Like, it just he just did not seem present at all. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I was going to do a trade deadline interlude. But I think let's go ahead and do the last game, and then we can go into all the trade deadlines. Okay. Does that seem okay? Yeah. Is that all right with you, Ian? Are you I mean, okay? That's, you I, mean, that's not, that? I mean, that's not how I wrote the notes at all. So just, just well, slice them, dice them how you want. You know, we can do them whatever you want. No, do, I see, you, I see you how 30 has changed you. Okay. All right. You know what? We're going back. We, I can't, I can't, I can't let you down like this. We're oh, no, 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 no. Now, now I want the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche game. It's too late. Oh my gosh, we're like bickering children. All right, listen, the Blues stay pat at the deadline, and then they lay, lay a freaking egg. They lay a freaking egg. Uh, you know, I can't decide. I want it all. I want to do both. We're going to go through this game real quick. Pierre Edward Belmar scores. He scores the game winner, except it's not that. I don't know why I called it that. He scores the <laughs> opening goal 10 minutes in. He's French, you know. So he set the tone, though. You know what I mean? He set Vince, the tone. So the game was over. That's right. Vince Dunn, old four points in two games. Vince Dunn. Uh, you know, he tried to put the puck out of the zone, but Belmar gloved it down, hit the blue line. Comfort passed the puck off the boards to O'Brien, who was apparently an NHL player. O'Brien rules and drops the puck back to Belmar, <laughs> and he rips it past the glove hand of Bennington. Not great. Not great for the Blues. John for Tom for Comfer should never get points against you. Uh, to begin with, but you know, it is what it is. Vince Dunn, five minutes later, scores a tying goal on the power play. Very nice. Uh, this was a beautiful setup play. Hoffman passed to Bozak along the blue line. Bozak finds Dunn in the high slot with a pass, and Dunn tipped the puck behind Dubnik for the goal. You know, Ian, our second power play unit has been performing better than our first power play unit. Mm -hmm. um, and it would almost make you think that guys like Vince Dunn and Mike Hoffman, like perhaps they're natural fits for a first power play unit I in mean, theory. Uh, you know, I don't uh, want to, I don't want to tell people how to manage their team and that's not appropriate, but um, in any case, Vince Dunn scores <laughs> and that's that. John for Tomfer comes back with a vengeance, gets his sixth goal. I asked uh, Blues correspondent Jordan, I was working on an article for uh, the um, hockey writers on the worst contract on each team, which in some cases is very easy to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, determine. And in other cases is pretty tough to figure out because the avalanche don't have any bad contracts really. So I asked him what he thought, their worst contract was and he said probably eric johnson's because um you know it couldn't screw up the uh the draft for seattle and then he said or jump jt Comfers because it exists which you know shows <laughs> wow. you about how highly 
he thinks of JT Comfort. Also, Ian, a ginger, apparently, which I didn't know. So not I knew there was a reason I didn't like him. Either. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's I right. feel so sorry for anyone that listens to this that's ginger. Like, I, I have no they real prejudice. Don't. They don't have emotions. You don't have any reason to feel sorry for them. Connor Timmons shoots the puck <laughs> from the point on this goal. O'Brien, oh, he's back. He's got another point. It's his third assist of the season. Two of them are in this game. He tips the puck. It hits the right post and deflects behind Bennington, who can't find it in time. And John for Comfort. Thanks for that, Ian. Smacks You're welcome. <laughs> You put it in the nets, everyone. That's true friendship. That's true friendship right there. <laughs> Kale McCarr uh, gets an assist on this next goal. He passed the puck to Miko Rantanen at the top left of the circle. Rantanen one time the puck and scored. McKinnon screening Bennington the whole way because he's quite good at hockey. These three mm-hmm. men on this play combined for a lot of points. I can't even do that much, man. 19 plus 70 would be 89 points. I did the math, Ian. I don't think I did it right, uh, but I did it. So, you know, um, and Brandon Saad then gets his goal and it's four to one. And I tweeted at this point, you know, this, this wasn't a game where it felt like it deserved to be four to one necessarily at this point. You know, the mm-hmm. Blues have played a pretty good first, not as great a second, but it felt a little more even to four to one. But I tweeted, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, if I'm a GM that had bet big on this team at the trade deadline a couple of days ago, I wouldn't be thrilled with this. Um, and, uh, you know, Mike Hoffman scores two in the third period to give the Blues a fighting chance. Assist from Cairo, Krug, Perron, and Tarasenko. Um, he's quite good at scoring goals. It's almost like you should put him in more positions to do that. Uh, on a team that can't <laughs> score any freaking goals. And, you know, they can't find the equalizer late. They've made a good push for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when you don't get a point. And this is, oh, this is the problem of holding Pat, as we'll swing back around to in a minute here. Um, but what did you think of this game in a vacuum? And then we can talk about the trade deadline implications and everything else. Yeah, like, so I I want to be positive with this team because the – the bed's been made. Doug Armstrong didn't make any moves like we'll talk about. And he's, he's trusting this team. And he's like, this is the team we're going with. We won three games before the deadline. Here's our team. We're in a playoff position. It's up to us, all that good stuff. And so something about that, I guess, kind of like trickled down to me. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this team's going to win a cup. I don't think this team's going to get past the abs of the night. But you know what? let's see let's just see i'm i'm in i'm in it to i'm in it to you know quote unquote win it even though they're not gonna win it um i'm i'm in it for the for the chaos of it but so you come to this game and it's really it ping pong me around a bit it's like okay they played like you said a pretty good first terrible second like pretty much every mistake they made just was in the back of the net and then mm-hmm. they people said the third period was really good i'd say that the Second half of the third period was good. They really started to push then, which was nice to see. Um, but obviously, you know, too little, too late. But yeah, it does kind of show. You could say glass half full um, shows they can hang with the abs. You're like, okay, they you know lost by one goal. Um, they can hang with the abs, yada, yada. But there's a pessimistic side of me because I tweeted this out um, during the second period. I was like, this abs team reminds me of the... Um, hawks of the early like 2010s where they would basically just go you know what i think i'm gonna score 
I think it's time to <laughs> score. And then they would just do it. And you were like, uh -huh. what, the, what the fuck is this? And, and it, I don't know, maybe these just stick out in my head, but I remember so many games since the Hawks where the Blues would, yeah, there were ones where the Blues just got demolished, but there are a lot of games that were really close. And it was always like, see, we can hang with the Hawks. See, we're right there with them. They'd be up on us like 4-1, 4-0, 3-0, and we'd make it like 3-2. And we were like, oh, so close, you guys. We're so close. And they're like, yeah, you got it. And that's what this sort of felt like to me. I will agree <laughs> that we looked really good um, for stretches here, and we definitely put them on their heels. And then, and again, with the cup win behind us, you can always say anything could happen. And so I'm, I'm with you there, you but this felt very, yeah, you can exactly, <laughs> but <laughs> you can um, just watching this game. Like it gave me that, it gave me that 2013, 2014 feel of just like, man, we we're close on the, on the score sheet. We're even close, you know, relatively um, statistically, you know, wise, but it just felt like a game where if it went on just a little bit longer, like the abs were going to make it, um, you know, whatever, five, three or whatever. It was just like, it's not going to, this feels good yet. At the same time, it feels like the abs are kind of, I don't want to say they're like letting us score because I don't want to take anything away from the blues, but I just mean like, I feel like if the abs felt like this is a playoff game, let's say you're in the playoff series with them, like this doesn't happen. I could be wrong. That's just what it felt like to me. Um, so I, I will tip my hat to tip my hat to the blues, to this team I, I root for that um, they were able to make a game of it. And like I said, I think they, I think they could beat the avalanche. They'd beat the avalanche this season. It just felt very, it didn't feel as close as the score made it feel, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And maybe that's just my pessimism leaking through, but um, I kind of wanted to just see, I guess I just wanted to see the win. Like people are like, if they play like this, you know, nine times out of 10, they'd probably, they might win this game. Or they'll, or I've heard people say about the game today against the Coyotes, hey man, if the Blues play like they did uh, against the Avalanche this last game, they don't even have to change anything. They'll definitely beat the Coyotes because the Coyotes aren't the Avalanche. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not as convinced with their performance, I guess. I want to see, I need to see more um, if you want so, to convince me that they're a playoff team. Also, what about the Blues this season would make you suspect that they're going to deliver a consistent performance from game to game <laughs> like what what has possible so yeah this game i think what you said is so poignant because we're not in the colorado avalanches league we're not in their league and it's not even close you know and like yeah we could beat them we've beaten them this year that's fine uh the detroit red wings could beat them they're in their league in, a, in that sense, you know, in the sense that the parity in the NHL is pretty, pretty tight, even from the best to the worst. And, um, you know, they're still com competitive, even in the worst games, but like, we're not going to beat them in a seven game NHL playoff series, right? We can all agree to that. We can all, we can all be on the same page there. And that's so much of what I'm kind of glad we did end up doing this before the trade deadline, because that's so much of what informs me on the trade deadline that I just think like, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't that active a market. So I can't, you know, if, if Doug Armstrong only ever got a third round pick for Mike Hoffman, let's say that's the best offer he got. 
I'm not gonna blame him for not taking that and holding Pat. You know, like that's fine. I get it. But I don't understand this team. It, it seems very on Doug Armstrong of me to take a team that clearly this clearly isn't a year they can win the cup. This clearly isn't a year that they're gonna go deep into the playoffs. And to take that team and not do anything with them, you know, if you if you believe in them, then add something. But he didn't do that either. It's just he just stays where he is. And it doesn't make any sense to me, honestly. It didn't make any sense to me at the time. It doesn't make any sense to me now. And quite frankly, tonight's game, it's must win. Because if we lose, it's over. And I don't, I'm not saying we can't potentially get back into the playoffs, you know, uh, with, um, with, you know, if we lose tonight, it's not like we're eliminated statistically. In fact, we still might make it, but in a realer sense, it's over because if the team can't show up and beat the coyotes tonight, they're not going to make a run and like change all of our minds and beat the avalanche and the golden Knights in back-to-back series, you know, like it's just not happening. And it just makes very little sense to me that the team stayed motionless at the deadline because I feel like this is not a team that is in a place where I feel like we know that this team isn't great, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know that there are bigger calculations involved. I know that ownership may want playoff games and all that stuff. And I can't, I don't know all those discussions. And so I'm not like beating up Doug Armstrong because he didn't make moves because who knows, but to me, it's a team that is obviously not good enough to be a serious contender right now. And these three games, one of them was Jordan Bennington standing on his head the whole game. One of them was a come from behind win that we didn't probably deserve. And one of them was a statistical anomaly. You know, it was great. We scored a lot of goals, but it was an anomaly. And we used those three games as justification to not sell at the deadline. And it just to me seems like, okay, now we're here and we've got to play out the rest of the season. And there's not much in it because the rest of the season isn't going to mean anything because we know at the best case scenario, we make the first round and probably get bounced. And that's that. And to me, that's just not that exciting. I'd rather be a team that's like actively trying to reshape and restructure a little bit than be a team that I know isn't good enough to make it out of the second round and really contend for things. And that's kind of where I'm at. How did you feel about the lack of action at the deadline? Yeah, I think you make a good point. It's like, I would rather this team be trying to move in a direction rather than rather than hold Pat and say, okay, well, I guess we'll just see what, see what we got. Because like you said, I think we both believe what they got just isn't, isn't good enough. And we, so like, we already know. So why, you know, why, why wait and see, or why wait and see that proved um, any more than already has been. And yeah, I've, I've thought a lot about how, you know, especially on Twitter and just other blues fans about how, I would frame this argument in a way that like, you know, if you go out there and you say, Hey, I don't like that. They didn't do anything. And then someone else will say, you know, well, you know, what else, you know, what do you want to do? And I think it's great because they'll see if they can make a run and yada, yada. And that's kind of this like conflicting mindset of like, you know, if you're a fan of the blues, how, you know, why do you want them to sell and just give up and all this stuff? And it's like, it's not that it's the end goal, right? It's the end goal of, of getting better and being competitive. And so it's just, it's, a different mindset for different people. You know, some people are going to say, Hey, 
I think this team's competitive now. And so I want to go, mm-hmm. I want to see what they can do. And so I'm, you know, I'm fine with them staying pat and I want them to make the playoffs. And, you know, I'd say that's more of the optimistic route, right? Where it's like, I believe in this team, anything can happen. And if that's your view, you know, cool. But like, I think for us, especially, it's like, I don't, we don't think this team's good enough right now. So it's not a matter of screw the team. I don't care. You know, F the blues. See you later. It's like, no, that's fine. It's just, we want to get back to that place of being competitive as quick as possible. And and at least in my mind, the longer you sit there and think, well, I think this team's probably good enough. When it feels like it's not, you're just treading water until two, three years down the road, you go, okay, now we're clearly not good enough. We need to reset or rebuild or do whatever. And now you're just further away from that rather than say, you know, I think it's just a matter of, of how you view it. And like, do you think they can do the that fun postseason stuff now? Or do you think it's, it's kind of a wash and it's going to take a little bit longer and you want to get there the fastest way possible. And to us, that is kind of retooling um, right now, because we just don't think that they're going to be able to do what other people think they can in the, in the postseason. Like I said, it's cool. I'd like to see them there playoff hockey always just kind of gets you at least gets me like riled up I'm like okay this team's bad but yeah let's do it because I remember thinking mm-hmm. feeling not good about this team but still excited um when they was it was it 2017 yeah when they beat the wild like in five games and I was like I don't understand yeah. this team because they're they're bad and then they they took the predators to, to six or whatever and that team was never going to win a cup, but it was still fun and everything. So when they make the playoffs, I'll, I'll be there with you rooting for them. Um, of course. And want him to do well. It's yeah, exactly. It's just a matter of trying to figure out what the best route is for this team to get better the quickest. And I think for, I think for some folks and understandably, so it's not really, I don't know. I don't want to say they're not like thinking about the team in depth, but it's like, it's more about the, the immediate fun, which I understand because a lot of this is entertainment. So you just want to have the fun. And it's like, man, if they just make the playoffs and do whatever, that's the fun for me. And it's like, cool. Um, that's, and like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's the fun for me too. But I also want them to be there and for it to be meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. In which case it means they just have to be better than they are right now. Because I think, like you said, I think you could talk to most Blues fans pretty honestly. Um without the, without the uh, Twitter wall between you and be like, you know, this team's not good enough, like you said, to make a run for the cup. And I think we can all say that having watched a team make a run for the cup, you know what I mean? Like that team was hot as balls. <laughs> like that team mm-hmm. was crazy hot. And it's like, this team could heat up in, in the time being, but they just have a difficult schedule. They don't have all the players that used to have there. We set it a bazillion times and it's not like you don't already know it but Petrangelo's gone Steen's gone Bo Meester's gone Maroon's gone you know these people that meant a lot to this team Edmondson's gone um so it's just not the same makeup it's not the same feel um it's just my long-winded way of saying I don't think they have it and so in which case I feel like the deadline should have been one way or the other like you said either you buy I don't know what you buy but you buy and try and push this team up a little bit um or you do what I think both of us was kind of hoping and, and do a little bit of selling. Again, it's not it's not ripping this team apart, but if you really don't think you're gonna re-sign Mike Hoffman, and I, I don't think you are, um, you sell you sell them. And like you said, if it's like for a fourth or a fifth, then sure, hold on to them. That's cool. 
Um, but if it's for, I'm, I would assume it's for, you could probably have gotten something higher for him. Like there's, there's teams that needed scoring. So I don't know. Doug yeah. Armstrong said he didn't have any meaningful calls in the last in the, yeah, in like three days. Me. I guess it's not always <laughs> his fault, but like, yeah, that didn't make me feel great about things. I like that. I like the thought that there's like, that there's maybe a team that really did offer like a third. And he was like, I didn't really consider that meaningful. <laughs> so I just hung <laughs> off the phone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's the longer I've thought about it, the more I've thought like, yeah, I guess if there's just nothing out there for you, um, then maybe maybe you do hold you hold pad a little bit. And I think I guess that makes the most sense given what we know about Doug Armstrong, right? It's because he's always talked about his team has to show me that they they want it and that they deserve it, and then I'll add. And they they didn't really like you know he said there's three game win streak and that kind of helped and informed his decision. But I think that's kind of I don't want to say a lie, but that's kind of a little bit of a, a white lie, I suppose, that he's putting on top of like, there wasn't really anything out there for us, you know? Yeah. So I'm also, I also am not going to pedal that to our fans and be like, guys, there just was, there was nothing out there. What do you want me to do? Sort of thing. It's just going to be like, hey, three games they won, you know, in a row. I feel better about this team because he probably does a little bit, but also because I kind of have to, because there's nothing I could have done. And so it's sort of like, okay. I think that makes more sense for what we know about Doug Armstrong than for him to say, man, those three wins. Yeah, baby. I'm in, I'm in on this team, you know, like that just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like him given his history. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm always hesitant to really rip a GM at the deadline because you're not having the calls. You don't know. And I get all that, but just to me, indecision is still a decision, you know, mm-hmm. and it really feels like this is a team that didn't know what it was and couldn't decide because it had the seven game losing streak followed by the three game winning streak. It just couldn't pick and it was stuck in neutral and that put Doug Armstrong in a tough situation and that's fine. But now here we are. And if we get to this off season and we miss the playoffs, then where are we? We have no idea, you know, like we we're just, we're stuck back in neutral and, We'd have no clue. So huh, you've got Hoffman, you assume, is just gonna walk in the off season. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not like you've it's not like you've hurt the future of your franchise by losing him as a free agent. You've got Bozak who's just gonna walk, you assume, as a free agent. Or maybe you bring him back for like a two or three million dollar deal. I don't hate that if you do as a third line center whatever but um you know you assume he's probably gone uh Jaden Schwartz it seems like it's gonna stay and I'm not sure I feel great about that and it's as we talked about last week it's not really anything against Jaden Schwartz but I don't think this team is very good and if you hold him here and I know he's supposed to be the straw that stirs the drink and everything and he's got great uh great metrics in terms of expected goals and Corsi and all that stuff but if you keep him here, how are you improving the team? You're not probably. And, you know, they talked about what was the number that JR said, something like 5.5 for six years or something like that mm-hmm. um, in his article, which, listen, that's actually a lot better than I thought we were going to hear. Uh, if you get Jaden Schwartz to resign for 5.5 million a year, that's obviously not going to destroy your team. And, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm basically fine with that. But like, if you keep them, that's just another piece of this core that you've committed to when the core isn't performing that well. And I don't get, I don't really get that. I don't know. I just don't get that concept. I don't get why being a clear distant third at best in your division is something that this management and GM group is comfortable with. And it reminds me a lot of the the Cardinals where it's like, hey, you went and got Nolan Arenado, that's great, but you didn't do anything else to be good. And you're competing with like the Dodgers who are unstoppable and the Yankees who are amazing and these other four or five super teams. And if you don't want to be on their level, that's fine. But then like rebuild and try to be good for the future you know because mm-hmm. like right now you're not gonna you're not gonna push past those teams if you're not actively trying to get a lot better um and um you know i don't know uh it's just it's frustrating to me because i feel like it's a team that doesn't know what it is the mike hoffman thing i said i'd go off on it and i will I don't get like this guy has one one thing he's good at. We've said this multiple times and he's elite at it. He's among the very best in the league. I did. I made up a statistic recently. I don't know (laughs) that I'm the first to make it up, you know, but I did do it. And I took every player in the NHL over the last three seasons. I subtracted the goals that they've actually scored from their expected goals and the idea was, I actually started this to see about Jaden Schwartz to see just how bad he was in terms of, because it seems like he's one of the worst finishers in the league in terms of taking should-be goals and making them actual goals. And I was wrong. He's the 26th worst um, because he is right down at the bottom of this list. Um, he's above Jack Hughes and um, Derek Stefan and Jordan Stahl and Jeff Carter and Ricard Raquel and Taylor Hall. Patrick Hornquist and Brady Kachuk, but he's very low on the list. So I was right. But if you flip that to the top and look at the top five, the top 10 or so snipers in the entire NHL, listen to this top 10, Ian, Leon Dreisaitl, David Pasternak, Austin Matthews, Alex Ovechkin, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Artemi Panarin, Miko Rantanen, Mika Zibanejad, Connor McDavid, Brad Marchand, Alex DeBrincat. Did I name a single person there who you wouldn't consider one of the really elite goal scorers in the NHL? I mean, that's Maybe pretty much Rantanen all of them. Feels like more, more of a like a not quite a sniper, more of a power forward. But like those are the top of the list. And I skipped mm-hmm. one name, and it was sixth on the list between Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov is Mike Hoffman. He does one thing and he does it at an elite, elite, elite level. And it's the thing your team can't do right now, which is score goals. And still you're trying to fit this guy into a freaking round hole when he's a square peg and make him some kind of defensively reliable forward. And listen, if you don't want to put him on one of your top two lines in at five on five, because you don't want that kind of defensive liability, because that's not the game you play fine, whatever. I don't necessarily agree, but I at least get the argument. But the fact that he has spent the entirety of the season, except I think for the first game of the season, not playing on your top power play unit is the most laughably irresponsible failure of coaching I have ever heard in the NHL. It 
honestly is enough to make me think that Craig Berube should be gone just on its own. There's no excuse for it. It's the, it's such a total misutilization of personnel. And it's not because I love Mike Hoffman. I don't care about Mike Hoffman. He's going to leave next year. He's going to be in a different uniform and I will feel not a thing. It's because I want this team to succeed. And that's how they do it. It's putting that guy on your top power play unit. And look in the last, three games he's gotten like 18 goals and he was scratched for two of those games or one of those games you know like I don't I just I don't get it I truly don't understand he's your he is your sixth guy on the six on five because he and he's scoring goals all the time he's scored two or three goals that way right so Mm -hmm. like I just don't understand what could possibly possess this coaching staff not to have him on the top power play unit and the fact that they weren't doing that. And then you still held him at the deadline. And like we said, multiple times, you don't know what the offers are. Maybe they were crap, but like, that's a thing where it's like, okay, then Dougie, you're Craig's boss and you've got to go tell him, put this guy on the top power play unit. Somebody has to intervene here and make this happen because it's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment that he's not there. And I don't have the words for how frustrated it makes me that they're letting this guy, they've paid $4 million for this guy in a year where money is tight in a year where so, at some time, some point, somebody's going to tell me, well, the Blues couldn't do such and such because they need to save money because it is, which is fine. I get it. We're a middle, you know, we're a mid, mid tier team in terms of revenue and we haven't had fans for two years. I, I'm not even against that, but then don't spend $4 million on Mike Hoffman if you don't find to utilize him properly and they haven't, once this entire season and it's really baffling to me so those are my thoughts on mike hoffman do you have any you'd like to add <laughs> he's a good player he's a good player um <laughs> i yeah i just hope that moving forward for the rest of this year while we still have them that they they do something with them to utilize them because especially like man if you're going into um if you do make the playoffs you're going to the playoffs like scoring is that much more of a premium matters just that much more you gotta do you've got to put everyone in their best place to succeed and it's like please for love of god at least try them on the first power play unit make something shit just flip the power play units make the make the power play unit is yeah. on out there longer i don't care that he's with o'reilly or whatever if that's the one that's clicking just put that out first um it's just yeah i you it's gonna be maddening if we it's gonna be insanity if this team is actually close in the series and we lose and we find you know we're looking at the stats and we just didn't have the goals and this whole time we're just holding this dude back on the second unit we're just not putting him with players to succeed not moving around up and down the lineup like he needs to be or anybody for that matter that's working or not working um it's just going to be maddening so it's like at that point it's like i'd rather we just get run over so so i don't even have to have that conversation and figure it out well, that's the thing, too, because earlier we, I made that kind of passing joke about Vince Dunn and Mike Hoffman being on the second power play. At least with Vince Dunn, like, I, I actually think he should be on the first power play because I think he's an elite puck possession defenseman. Um, he's one of the best in the league at holding the blue line and keeping pucks in. And, you know, I think he's phenomenal at that. He should be on the first power play. But at least he's a younger player. And, like, in theory, he hasn't proven it yet or he hasn't earned it or whatever stupid crap you want to say mike hoffman you signed this guy this is the only thing he was this is the only thing he's ever been and you knew it when you signed him right you had to know it when you signed him so it's just 
baffling to me that you would that you would sign him mm-hmm. if you didn't plan to use him as a power play specialist. It made so much sense. Our power play was good last year. It didn't feel good, but it was good. And you thought, oh man, with Tory Krug and Mike Hoffman, holy crap, we're going to have an elite power play. And now you don't have those two playing on the same power play unit. And Tory Krug, by the way, I was looking at his stats. He's been fine. People are worried about Tory Krug. That dude is fine. He's not shining like a diamond this year because, again, we're not using him well. But if you look at his numbers, he's um, 10th on the team and expected goals for percentage on ice. You know, he's fi- he's just doing okay. It's not amazing, but he's mm. doing okay. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because people are like, you know, he was he was kind of sheltered, you know, over in Boston, and like that's where he succeeded. And I'm kind of like, look, I get you. You should be able to challenge players, even when they're slightly older. You know, they're not 21, 22, 18, or whatever. But like, if that's if they are telling you who they are, and you go out and get them, then use them for who they are. And like you said, Tori Cruz actually been pretty good. But when people are like, man, you know, he doesn't look great when he's playing whatever 24, 25 minutes a night on the first pairing. I'm like, yeah, because it's not it's not really his role. You can try that, but then when he's not doing that, like sure be better but also like use him where he's supposed to be which is i mean i'll i'll hold it there but it's like that's a whole nother thing where i'm like man i don't know that we have a first pairing anymore so Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like uh you know he's fine there's i think he does fine for where he's at um and it is it can be kind of frustrating because i don't think there's too many people harping on him but there are people that are like man not great defense, you know, not doing great defensively. And I'm like, he's doing all right for Tory Krug. But yeah, you're right. Not great defensively because the man's name is Tory Krug <laughs> because that's who he is. He is third at all strengths. He's third and Mike Hoffman is fifth and expected goals for percentage. Um, he's sixth and at Corsi four percentage at all strengths. And if you just look on the power play, I'm sure I haven't looked at this. I haven't pre-screened it. Uh, Jordan Cairo and Vince Dunn, Mike Hoffman, Ryan O'Reilly, and Tori Krug are the top five in power play expected goals for percentage. Obviously, that's always going to be good. But um, it's just, I just don't understand why this team, you know, I get that Braden Shin, Braden Shin's fine. He's not a good example. But like Braden Shin, Jordan, Jaden Schwartz, Vladimir Derseko, all those guys have done a lot for this team. That's great. But if you have personnel that are better than them at things, then those personnel need to be doing the things. And then Jane Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko and all those guys can be put in positions where they can succeed. Mm-hmm. And if they're not big enough to handle the fact that Mike Hoffman's a better power play scorer than them, then they can shove off as far as I'm concerned, because that's just the reality. And this is the guy we signed and we're paying him $4 million to make this team better. And if that means that Jaden Schwartz or whoever has to bounce down to the second power play unit, so be it, man, because that's how it works. That's the deal, you know, and it's just Craig Berube to me. I'm I'm really pretty much over him. I don't to me. He doesn't have any ability to change this team mid game or between games he's just he's a motivator he's a fire him up coach and as we've said before those guys just always wear out quickly because you heard the fire him up speech a thousand times and it doesn't mean as much 
on the thousand and first hearing, you know, and that's not a disrespect to what he's done for this franchise. We wouldn't have won the Stanley cup without him. I get that, but this team needs a tactician now and it needs somebody who's going to use this personnel correctly. And that's clearly not him. I know he's going to be here at least, at least into next year, probably through it, you know, but I sure hope that the team doesn't look at him as one of those guys that they've got to have a long leash for because he helped them win the cup, you know, because we can't do that with everybody. And I think that's my frustration with the Schwartz and with the staying pat at the deadline and all of this stuff is I think this franchise wants to live like it's 2019 forever. And it's not, we're not that team anymore. And we're not, we were, we were the worst team in hockey for half that season. And I know our metrics didn't say it. And I know we weren't technically, but like, we just, we pretend like because we won the cup and because we went on this miracle run and had the hottest goalie in, in the world and had a magical song and all this and that and the other thing that that just made us one of the best teams in the league. And I don't think it did. And we've gotten substantially worse since then <laughs> in terms of who's left and, and what's changed. And, you know, here we are and we're still kind of acting like we're that team. And it just, I don't know how much longer you can kind of keep that up. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on, on anything that I just rambled about? None of it. What'd you say? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of like the indication if they're going to resign Jane Schwartz too, is like, I don't have anything necessarily against it as him as a person, but it ties up some money for us. And that's one of those things where like, we're really going to keep everybody together, which you know you're keeping people that i like you know you're not you're not signing zach samford or something to some crazy long deal because he's part of the core and we oh, need him but, but it's will. yeah well that's yeah that's the thing is like once you set that core then you only have so much wiggle room to you know make that core better especially when you have them on these long contracts that are going are hard to move so it's you're really betting hard right on that on that team um doing some damage and it's just again it's one of those i don't i don't know that that this is the core to do it or that this core plus just a few additional side pieces because you're not going to have a ton of money for big you know big other pieces around them um is going to be it and i don't know i guess yeah maybe maybe i'm just ready for a little bit of churn you know yeah we've had a lot of churn but it just hasn't been on the forward core and now that's where we're not scoring and where we need to produce more. And, and so that's kind of a problem. So that's the Blues. Um, huge game tonight. I really do think it's must win. Not because we, again, not because we can't climb back out of the hole if we lose to the Coyotes tonight, but just because if you can't make a statement tonight and beat the freaking Coyotes, then what, why do I, why am I supposed to believe that you're a contender, you know? Um, our next game against the Avalanche is postponed because of COVID stuff. Our next two scheduled games are against the Avalanche. So who knows? Um, you've got a big chance to win here and feel real good for a week or so, you know, four or five days until your next game. So go out and do it. And I'll feel a lot better about this team, at least in terms of, you know, they can be palatable to watch and I can feel good about it for the next few days. Um, but I'm worried at the moment and I want to say, I want to see, uh, what they've got 
you know, left in the chamber. I don't, I don't think we actually read these Armstrong quotes. Uh, so let's, let's break these down and then we can go into the rest of the trades and get out of here uh, on why he made no moves at the deadline. The way the team has played the last few games, we're in a playoff spot right now. It's been a tumultuous year from start to finish from starting late with COVID and all those things. That's the only thing that's, that's it. That's the one thing, Dougie. No, uh, and right all now, the other pandemics. And there didn't seem to be the proper pieces to add to this team. And I didn't see any reason not to keep the team together. You didn't see any reason, any reason at all, Doug. There was a seven-game losing streak. You didn't see that. Maybe he was in a coma for that. Maybe he was in a medically induced coma for six of those games. He's, he's too busy uh, playing in the Canadian uh, national team for uh, China, you know. This also, this is this is a mindset that really bothers me. We haven't played our best hockey on a consistent basis. Okay, that's a, that's a problem then. That's not a. I I I hate when it's like, well, we're not, we're just not playing our best. Okay, then change things. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't get it. One of the things we talked about was maybe we'll get healthy at the right time and get on a roll. Maybe the last three games are an indication of that. They weren't. Uh, when we got Tarasenko back, we got Schwartz back, and our goals sort of dried up. That didn't make sense. That shouldn't <laughs> last with that caliber of players in our lineup when you add to Shin and Perron and Kairou and that whole group. Ooh, Kairou and then they get the name yeah. out. The goal scoring should continue to pick up, and both goaltenders have played great the last two games. We're going to need everyone to push through the last three or four weeks of the regular season. There's no guarantee we're going to get in. We have to focus every day like it's a life or death situation. Well, they didn't focus on Wednesday like it's a life or death situation. Let's see how they do today. Um, Tarasenko, I know we won't dive into it tonight or today, but he hasn't been great. Um, and I think he deserves a long leash because of how long he's been out, but that's certainly a concern. Um, mm. But there are the Blues, and that's that's the Blues trade deadline. The rest of the league had a trade deadline as well. There were a few very interesting big deals and a lot of crappy deals. So I've highlighted some of the big deals. We'll talk about them last, but let's move through and talk about some of these lesser deals. You know, every name that gets moved on trade deadline day is a life that has changed, Ian, and we shouldn't respect them any less. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets acquired defenseman Jordan Ding from the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> for 2021 six-round pick. The Toronto Maple Leafs acquired defenseman Ben Hutton from Anaheim Ducks in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round pick. San Jose Sharks acquire forward uh, Alexander Barbanov or Barabanov from Toronto in exchange for Anti Suomela. Uh, the Washington Capitals got Michael Raffle from the Flyers in a, for a fifth round pick. The Nashville Predators got Eric Goodbranson from Ottawa in exchange for Brandon Fortunato in a seventh round pick. The Montreal Canadiens acquired Eric Gustafsson from Philadelphia in exchange for a seventh round pick. The Flyer, the Florida Panthers acquired Sam Bennett. This was a, a, a semi-major move mm-hmm. and a 2022 sixth-round pick for uh, from Calgary in exchange for forward Emil Heineman and a second-round draft pick in 2022. Thoughts on a change of scenery for the old Sam Bennett there, who's one and one for a long time. That's what I was going to say. Good for him because I know, yeah, he's asked. I think he's asked Calgary about that a couple times, and. Every time he does, they, the Canadian media brings it up like, oh, that's, you know, Sam Bennett wants a trade. And then in the same breath, they'll be like, ah, but he's always wanted one. So who cares? Um, yeah, exactly. So good for him. Cause I mean, that's just, it's just more time to play. And I think the media has talked a little bit about it. Florida has sort of turned into this uh, 
kind of land of forgotten toys uh, for a lot of different teams and they're and they're they've kind of banded together uh on that yeah. they're, they're playing pretty well so i think i think he's actually on a better team right now so good for him former fourth overall pick sam Bennett. i forget about that not uh not he hasn't he hasn't played up to it but you know he's he's all right uh the canucks acquired madison bowie from and a fifth round pick from the blackhawks in exchange for a fourth round pick wow what a trade um hayden flurry this was a bit of a surprise went from carolina to the ducks in exchange for yanni hockenpah former blue yanni hockenpah and a sixth round pick yanni hockenpah lays the body i saw recently he's a big hitter he's a big boy vegas gold knights forward uh got forward matthias yanmark and defenseman nick de simone and a fifth round pick in exchange uh, in the 2022 NHL draft from the Chicago Blackhawks and the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a second round pick in 2021 and a third round pick in 2022 and a fifth round pick in 2022 that went to San Jose. This was treated as a big deal. I guess I didn't realize that Matthias Yanmark uh, was memorable or significant in any way. Does that make me a bad person? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. It felt it felt like people were like, holy crap, Matthias Yanmark finally moved. And I was like, were we all waiting for Matthias Yanmark <laughs> to move? He was the pin. He was the pin in the grenade. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Did you feel differently about this? Because I was very caught off guard by the reaction. I don't know how close you were watching that. Uh, no, I mean, I think but... I think maybe it was, I don't know. I mean, there are actually quite a few moves that happened on the actual deadline day. So depending mm-hmm. on when this one happened, maybe it was one of the bigger quote-unquote ones to happen first but yeah I mean Matias Yamark's like a fine depth player and I remember him being pretty speedy and useful on Dallas for a while there but yeah I mean it, it kind of caught me off guard in terms of like how important they made the sound yeah I mean he's fine he's a good depth forward and nothing wrong with it it just felt kind of like okay you know if you guys are really into Matias Yamark then congratulations <laughs> that's your thing uh that's right. The Colorado Avalanche got Carl Soderberg back. That's cool. Uh, they gave out Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston, who's a great, got a great name. The Tampa Bay Lightning acquired uh, Frederick Clayson from San Jose in exchange for Magnus Corona. This is uh, the annual "these people don't exist" trade that everyone in the NHL is like. I've never heard of either of these people, so you know, good for them. Um, <laughs> The uh, Chicago Blackhawks also got, I thought that I got, I hate to say it, Ian, I hate to say this. I thought the Blackhawks made some pretty sneaky moves in this one. Yeah. Um, the Man. Blackhawks have acquired, have quietly acquired a lot of potential diamonds in the rough. And if just one or two of them become diamonds, then it's going to be a real pain in my ass. Um, Adam Gaudet, who's a former very high pick, I believe from Vancouver in exchange for Matthew Highmore, just, uh, it just felt sneaky. You know, it just felt like that, that sort of thing that the freaking uh, Blackhawks would do. He's not a former very high pick. He was a fifth round pick, but it wants a pretty highly valued prospect. 33 points in 59 games last year and the Canucks had just kind of moved on and given up, but uh, felt like a sneaky sneak move from the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm skipping the, the three biggest trades. So we'll come back to them. Pittsburgh Penguins surprisingly acquired Jeff Carter from the Los Angeles Kings. Not only does Carter agree to leave Los Angeles 
uh, which most people didn't expect, but he does it to go to his old arch nemesis, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the former uh, Philadelphia Flyers man. Do you think this makes the Penguins top tier cup contenders, Ian? Uh, I think it improves them. Uh, unsurprisingly, they had to find a third line center because for whatever reason, every year they must do that because oh, they, don't, year. they don't hold on to the one they just got. I mean, I guess because well, they're they always have- UFAs. They won't have to next year because Jeff Carter's got another year on his deal unless he retires. So, yeah. <laughs> I heard um, there's cap, cap recapture implications. That's right. I don't know what they mean, but they exist. Yeah. <laughs> the New York Islanders got Braden Coburn. Yawn. The Boston Bruins got Mike Riley. Mike Riley was having a hell of a season for the Ottawa Senators. So, you know, a good little deal here. Good work for both teams. Got a third round pick for it. Toronto Maple Leafs got Dave Riddich for a third round pick. Big save, Dave. That was well, well received in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, holding things together on Jack Campbell's uh, 10 game undefeated streak, I think, at one point. And uh, Frederick Anderson is is aging and in, injured and probably on his way out there. And, uh, you know, Dave Riddich, I thought that was a nice pickup. I thought Kyle Dubas, as much as it pains me to admit, made some nice sneaky moves this draft or this mm-hmm. deadline. Um, and then made one real big, real questionable move that we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, Montreal Canadiens acquire John Merrill from the Red Wings in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2021. Um, the Devils got Jonas Siegenthaler for a conditional third round pick in 2021 draft. The Lightning got, this was a fairly big trade, acquired defenseman David Savard from the Blue Jackets as part of a three-team trade with the Red Wings in exchange for the Lightning's first round pick. One of the two, I think, maybe three that moved in this uh, deadline in Mm. 2021 and a third round pick in 2022. Uh, That was a big move for the Blue Jackets to acquire the first round pick, even if it's likely to be in the in the thirties somewhere, you know, but um, still a nice deal. Nice work for them to get that for Savard. Nice work for the Red Wings to come in and eat some of the salary and get free assets for it. The Panthers acquired Brandon Montour from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a third round pick. That was the better of the deals that the Sabres made. Um, The Avalanche got Devin Dubnik who promptly beat the uh, Blues um in exchange for greg pattern and a fifth round pick the avalanche also got former avalanche patrick nemeth in exchange for a fourth round pick and the maple leafs got third fourth grind line forward Bradley nash from the blue jackets in exchange for a conditional seventh round pick now ian are you ready to dive into the three big ones the three howlers from this year's uh trade deadline are you ready are you excited are you pumped i need you to be pumped i'm almost through my coffee uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, well, we better hurry because once that cup's empty, you shut down. The Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs acquire forward Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets and forward Stefan Nuessen from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft to Columbus and a fourth-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft to San Jose. Ian, what are your thoughts on this deal? Oh man, so I see it. I see that they've gotten Nick Felino, the Maple Leafs. I see that they've gotten um, was it Riley Nash? They uh-huh. they obviously got Riddick. They're doubling down on the whole. We need we need some grinders on this team, some physical grinders on this team that are gonna 
aren't going to, you know, shy away from the physicality of the playoffs. And I do Even kind of Dave like Reddick's a grinder. Yeah, he's a grinder. He grinds between the pipes. <laughs> I, I think that's honestly, I think that's a good move. I think these are, are, are pretty good moves. I also feel like to me that this is like the best, most like complete team they've assembled thus far in terms of like, they've got all the skill. Mm-hmm. They've got plenty of physicality. If, my question is, if they don't win the cup this year, what happens? Like, oh, what What do they, what else can you, honestly, like, I do feel kind of bad because I think they've done a really good job assembling this team. Uh-huh. If they don't win, what else, like, what What can you do? What else can you do? <laughs> you tr- you tried young and skill and some, and well, it didn't work. Then you've, you've supplemented with, with old dudes and, and veterans and, and some tenacity and if that doesn't work then it's like man you're just gonna have to keep throwing crap at the wall tilt sticks because to me if they don't if they don't get out of their division right if they don't make to the whatever you call it this year the conference finals it's a it's an utter failure because this team should just walk through like i don't care that the jets look all right i don't care um that Edmonton's got Connor McDavid. Honestly, like I'm surprising to say, but I just don't care. Like this, the Maple Leafs are constructed in a way that they should just walk over the competition uh, in Canada and it shouldn't be close. Um, Mm -hmm. And if they don't, it's like, what's happening now, if they get out of there and they're in, you know, they're in the third round, I don't know what happens then because now you're introduced to all these other teams that you haven't played all season. And then the, you know, the hurricanes are like, Oh, well, we're much better in terms of matchups and they just walk over the Maple Leafs at that point. It's like, Oh, well, but like they should easily handle any team in their division. And the sad part is just because of the Maple Leafs and then people could have said this about the blues, you know, um, up until the cup win, I just don't know that they can win (laughs) even though they're constructed in such a way that they should. I just don't know that they have it because it's the Maple Leafs and that's what happens. So, I mean, you know, good job, Dubas, for making some moves. I think he made pretty good moves. Nick Flino's, you know, it's it's a lot to give up for a grinder, you know, a, a, a captain. So I guess he's got, you know, some some clout as far as, like, being a leader. But um, it's just kind of like you're going for it, man. You got to win. He's another American. I do like that if they win the cup this year, it's going to be on the back of Americans. Damn it. I do. Isn't like Jack that. Campbell even an American? I think he might be. I think like him right. That feels a very American name. Yep. Port Huron, Michigan, baby. Ah, that's right. That's right. The old red, white, and blue bailing you out, <laughs> even when you're winning Stanley Cups, you piece of the crap. Uh, by the way, there's a headline on the athletic right now that says David Riddich, the Maple Leafs new mischievous, fiery, old school insurance policy. And that says he is a grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, what I love about this is he's on the ice. He's got white and blue pads, white and blue blocker, white and blue stick, bright red glove, bright red glove. <laughs> you apparently, apparently one part of his equipment set didn't get there before whatever the game time was. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, what, I want, what I want to happen if they don't make it this year is, or if they don't really perform well this year is just, you know, blow it all up, go crazy, fire Dubas, all of that. What I feel like will happen because it's Toronto is they're going to somehow reverse engineer themselves into like a, 
well, it was a COVID season. It was so wacky. What do you get? How, how oh, do you yeah. predict it? And it's like, and it's like, no, but you were in the gimme division. You should have like, that should have been to your advantage of all the teams. You should be the ones that are like happy about that. And they're like, no, no, no. You know, because it was hard on all of us. Yeah, that's right. The Ontario premier just put on a bunch of new restrictions. So now that it's going to be like, well, you know, you can't do that again. So, um, this is Doug Ford's <laughs> I loss. I like that's right. It's always Doug Ford's loss. I like Nick Foligno fine. I think he's a fine player. He's a captain. Whatever. In this year's market, a first round pick feels like a lot to give up for Nick Foligno, mm-hmm. and that's not all they gave up. They gave up a first and two fourths, which are fine. They're fourths. You know, they don't really mean anything, but like. I don't know, man. And we'll talk about Taylor Hall and if they wanted him. And I honestly, I think I think Nick Foligno is a better fit than Taylor Hall because what do you need? What do you need another high skilled winger for um, on that team? But I mean, I guess you can you can make the argument of strength beating strength or whatever. You know, you at least have that going for you. Um, mm-hmm. The the uh, the Nick Foligno move it makes obvious sense because you know they need grinders and they need people that can be physical and can be leaders, but like what happens if it doesn't work? Like you said, if you don't win the cup this year, how can you ever convince yourself that you're going to in the future? I don't think you can, because this is as good as the core is going to be, you know, then it's like next year when the cap stuff really starts to hurt you and the flat cat's going to crap the flat cap. The flat cap is going to cripple this team worse than almost any other. And then in a couple of years, Austin Matthews will sign with the Coyotes, and that'll be that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, jokes aside, though, like this is a, a big move from them. They had a big deadline. They're really obviously going for it. But if it doesn't come together, man, I don't know. Um, you ready to talk about Taylor Hall? Oh, yeah. The Boston Bruins acquire Taylor Hall. And Curtis Lazar, who is a perfectly fine depth forward, uh, a pretty good depth forward, pretty good bottom six forward from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for forwards. Anders Bjork, who is a close personal friend of Jack Eichel, which happens all the time in the NHL, which is so sad. And a (laughs) second round pick in 2021 in the NHL draft. Ian, fire the general manager immediately. I've heard, I've heard all this. I've heard all the excuses. I've heard all the stories. I know Taylor Hall leveraged his no movement clause. You know who gave him that no movement clause? The general manager. That's who. And the biggest problem I have with this deal is that it was made hours before the deadline ended. It was made the night before deadline day. Mm-hmm. So wh- how this is such a bad return for Taylor Hall. And I know he's been crap this season. I know all of the stories. But I would, I as a as a first year general manager, I would rather say, "Fuck you, Taylor Hall. I'm holding on to you. You're playing for the Savers for the rest of the year." Then accept this return in public for Taylor Hall. You get a low second round draft pick in a crappy draft, and a forward who's not going to be anything in the NHL for a former Hart Trophy winner and another perfectly good forward. Like you know, if you've gotten. Anders Bjork in a fifth round pick for Curtis Lazar, that wouldn't have been like a shocking return, you know? So this one, I I was, I am upset at the NHL Twitter community for doing the, well, you know, Kevin Adams hands were really tied on this. What was he supposed to do? Because the dude tied his own hands, you know, 
it's like the Eric Andre meme where he shoots the guy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, why, why would Taylor Hall do this? Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts on this deal? Am I overreacting? Am I being unfair? No, I mean, it's, I get like it's one of those things where they signed him for a year. They knew, I mean, they talked about like, well, maybe we'll sign him, you know, maybe we'll sign him, we'll try him out here. And it didn't, obviously, that was never going to happen. Unless, you know, he transformed Buffalo. And he didn't. Um, they had all these other circumstances, but it's I like, have just you given him a Skinner deal. You had the problem is to me is like Buffalo mishandles everything, right? I don't even think that's like hyperbole. I think that's just the truth. They mishandle <laughs> everything. And you have to start making traction somewhere. And then again, you have someone to trade and you go, well, what could, you know, what could you do? It's just another mishandling. It's like, yeah, man, but you got to start handling something well to start getting this team on the right track. And you still couldn't even get like, I know, like we said, Taylor Hall dictates these decisions, blah, blah, I'm going to Boston. But like you already mentioned, that's the, that's the GM's fault for giving him the no move clause. Like it's, he only went to Buffalo pretty much because all his other options dried up. That's what they talked about. He wanted to go to numerous other teams, want to go to Boston this past summer, but like his options dried up. And so he was like, Buffalo was the last option. So why would you even have to give him the no move clause? You were the only team. And you're like, by the right. way, we'll sweeten the pot. And it's like, I already said yes. <laughs> it's like, no, we'll sweeten no, the pot, no. no move clause. Yeah, I, they gave him that. That's on them. And yeah, I, you bungled, it, like, you, you just bungled it. You put yourself in that situation. You backed yourself in the corner. And, like, yeah, like you said, it's Eric Andre meme. Like, you're the one who gave it to him. And you're like, well, what were we supposed to do? And I was like, I don't know. Not give it to him. Um, and it's like, well, then what were we supposed to do? Not sign dealer all? It's like, yeah, man, because it didn't matter. Yeah. If you didn't think, if you were the Buffalo Savers and you weren't being honest about yourself, thinking you'd be in a situation where you had to trade a rental at the deadline, that's also on you, man. It's yeah, all like, on you. It's all the same story all the time. Like you pretty much bought yourself for $8 million and then whatever retaining half, you bought yourself what was going to be like a first round draft pick and assets mm-hmm. or what have you. Like everyone knew you were selling this dude at the deadline because you because Taylor Hall wasn't going to transform this team into a playoff contender. Um, you might've had a really good season, you know, like a, a la this Hart Trophy winning season, anything like that, but it wasn't going to transform this team completely. And yet- you managed to do the thing you signed them for that reason and then you you fucked up the return and it's like i don't yeah i don't understand how you could look through what the intention was in signing them and be like well you know this is the best you could do it's like yeah man you went out and i don't even know a good metaphor basically but you went out with the idea of like, we're going to turn this into a hundred dollars and you came back with 50 and you're like, well, what were we supposed to do? And like, you're supposed to turn it in a hundred. That was the goal. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you left with half and it's like, yeah, but we're up 50. And I'm like, yeah, but the, it's the whole, um, it's like in hockey. It's like you, you were winning the game and then they tied it up at the end and then you lost in overtime. You're, well, at least we got a point. And it's like, yeah, but you were going to get two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great analogy. That's perfect. And, you know, you brought in Taylor Hall as supposedly to appease Jack Eichel and prove that you were doing things. And Dude, give up on did, appeasing Jack Eichel. Did. But also, but also like, okay, so then you trade him and you get Anders Bjork because I guess he's a friend of Jack Eichel, I keep hearing. Like, what? Jack Eichel's going to be fooled? Like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> I'll stay in this god-awful situation because at least Anders Bjork is here. Like, 
F off. And first, second of all, like he can't make you trade Anders Bjork with him to whatever team wants to, you know, wants to get him when the Kings trade for him this summer. Like Jack Eichel's out of there and he has to be because there's no road. There is no road to relevance on this team soon enough to capitalize on Jack Eichel's tenure. You might as well go ahead and trade Rasmus Dahlin because you're not there's no path to good. There's no path to acceptable. You need the thing. first overall pick in next year's draft or one of those top three, because I think all three of the top three are supposed to be monsters. You need to get one of those guys who's 18 and you need to have gotten this huge return for Eichel and Darlene or whoever you're going to trade because this team can't be good. And Kevin Adams can't make them good because he's incompetent. This deal should never have happened in the 11th hour, which I'll go on about in a minute, but I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, I lost it. What was I going to say? I have no idea. You said, here's the thing. And I, I felt rude because I cut you off. Oh, I say, here's the thing all the time. No, I forgot. Well, I was like, well, here's the thing Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the timing of this deal does make a big difference. Cause mm. you know, if you're going to take this at the last minute, cause that's all that's on the table. Fine. But, you can't take this eight hours before the deadline when you don't know who emerged. You don't know who might emerge. You don't know who might get desperate. You don't know if Hall's going to get desperate to leave and say, screw it, I'll approve the trade to Vegas. Like, you just don't know. And how, how, what about this return makes you think, oh man, I can't lose Anders Bjork, you know? And I've heard stories that supposedly, he was going to get the return from the Islanders that the Islanders gave up for Paul Marion Zajac, which was like a first and, and some pieces, um, which we didn't talk about that trade, but that also happened. Um, and he kind of gave him the middle finger because he was certain he was going to get more. If that happened, then you absolutely have to fire him immediately. Um, and, you know, and Hall was going to approve that to go to the Islanders, I guess, to be back with Lou Lamb. I don't know, but like, um, if that happened, then it's like, then it's all over, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I just don't know, man. I don't know how you, we say, I feel like we say it on every podcast now, but like, how do you even get out of bed in the morning as a Sabres fan right now? Like, I, I, I can't ever imagine a team being so bad that I just stopped, you know, I really love my sports teams and I stuck with the ret. I stuck with the Rams forever even Mm -hmm. while and and that team the sad part about that team was they were actively trying to be bad to justify a move away from town and I just wasn't aware of it at the time I wasn't like I wasn't keyed in or woke if if you will which (laughs) I should I should should not uh but you know what I'm saying like I wasn't really even figuring that out and the savers aren't trying to be, and they're just that incompetent and their ownership sucks and their general manager sucks and their coaches <laughs> always suck. And there's their great fan base who deserves so much better. We have some friends in that fan base. They're awesome. They've been on the show before. We love them. Um, God, it just bites, man. It freaking bites to be, to be in that fan base. And I just don't like, you look at the senators who were the laughing stock of the NHL a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, you know, and Pierre Dorian or not Pierre Dorian, uh, Eugene Melnick was an, a public embarrassment. And do you have any question that the savers or that the senators are going to be a pretty damn good team in two or three years? Like they look, 
like they're they're rebuilding the right way, right? They've got tons of young studs. Mm-hmm. When those guys hit their early 20s and their mid-20s, like they're going to be tough to deal with if, if Melnick doesn't just, you know, mandate a, a salary cap of like $65 million or whatever. Um, and well, it's just to easy to – I was going to say it's just easy to ahead. look at that team too and to be like – kind of like what you're saying. It's like what's, what's the problem with this team? It's like it's Eugene Melnick, if anything, and you go, okay, that, yeah. that's the problem. We've see, we know yeah. what it is, and it's hard, it's hard to deal with, but okay, we've got it. But with Buffalo, it's like – it's everything. It's like, where do you even oh, start? God, yeah. I don't know. Is It doesn't, I mean, the whole, it all seems corrupt. I don't, in I the just perfect, feel so bad for them. In the perfect world, they, I don't know how they do it, but you'd like, they, you just get the owners to sell the team to somebody else because, or you yeah. basically get them, whoever the GM is, you need not a lapdog <laughs> GM to actually sit down. That's and really like, what it is. You need, so yeah. The you need, own the, they own the, the bills too, right? Yeah. And they had it, whoever they, the GM is now, they actually sat down with the Pagulas and like, you have to let us make our own decisions. And whatever this meeting yeah. was, got them on board with that. And then they've, and they've gotten better. And it's like, you, you need someone to be like, yo, you don't, you don't know hockey. I'm sorry. You have a lot of money, but you don't know hockey. And please, for the love of God, let me transform your team. Let me get rid of half these scouts. Let me send some scouts to Europe, perhaps. Um, that might be a good idea because they don't do that apparently. And like, let's, let's start that. We have to start this over. And I feel bad because they're the Sabres are doing, you know, slightly better now. You, I mean, you can always do better when you've lost 18 games in a row. Um, and they're like, you know what? Granado looks like an okay coach. I think, you know, we look like a scrappy team again. Like I think the other day when the blues were playing the avalanche, um, Pierre Maguire was like, talking about Buffalo somehow and he was like you know that's a team that's got an identity now and I'm like yeah and it's like the fun little 31st team um Mm -hmm. and that's not a good night like that's oh my god as a as a not a Buffalo Sabres fan but on their behalf I'm gonna be like fuck off Pierre are you serious he's like they've got a little identity and their identity is we're you know we're not in the playoffs but we're gonna try real hard and I'm like man I don't give a shit like (laughs) I I hate that they're like they're not losing so now they're fun and it's like no no, 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 no. That's not an identity. That's not a thing. And now I remember what I was going to say, if you want to be better, if you want to keep Jack Eichel around, stop trying to appease Jack Eichel. Be a good team. They're like, well, how do we keep yeah. him here? Let's get, his, let's get his friends in here. And it's like, no, just be a team that wins. <laughs> then he'll stay. He's not going to stay, but then yeah. we keep him. And it's, but also, it's like, also, so you, you freaking you control his contract. So he, you don't have to trade him i mean Mm. if it gets to the point where he's just like openly sitting out games fine but like that's kind of the thing with taylor hall it's like was it was it worth it to lose your reputation and any negotiating power you had as a gm to get anders bjork in a second round pick i don't think it was you know like you could have you could have made you could have shown your backbone a little bit as a general manager and said look taylor I'm sorry, but that's too little for me to get to you. I know you want to be a, a Bruin. I'd love for you to be a Bruin too, if that's what you want, but I can't accept that. So if you're not willing to be a Golden Knight or a Blue or whatever the hell, then I guess you're going to have to play the rest of the season as a saver. And we can talk, you know, you can be a free agent this summer and go wherever you want. But like, I know that's easy for me to say as an armchair GM, like I get it, but like, I, I don't, you know, it just, it's one of those things where the NHL is weird and 
I don't know why Kevin Adams couldn't have come out and said, listen, I wanted to trade Taylor Hall and get assets, but he was using his no movement clause, which he has every right to do. But the teams he was willing to accept a trade to just weren't offering us the value we needed. And that's fine. And I'm glad that, you know, Taylor, a player as good as Taylor is, is still in a Sabres uniform for now. And, and we'll see when the offseason gets here if we want to talk about an extension, you know, or, you know, just kind of empty quotes, but just get your own back a little bit. But Kevin Adams is a glass of whole milk. No, not even whole milk, skim milk. He's a glass of skim milk. He's a human being that is a glass of skim milk. So he can't, he can't do that. And he's not going to do that. And Jack Eichel's going to be traded this summer. And it's going to be to the Kings. And they're not going to get enough back. It's going to be Tobias Bjornfoot and uh, Adrian Kempe and a first and a second. And it's going to be like, yeah, that's fine. But you probably should have gotten Quentin Byfield, right? Like maybe or something like anything, like anything back of significance. Um, and they're just going to be bad forever until the Pagulas get allow somebody to take over that actually knows hockey, um, or uh, you know something else happens because I just don't see a road there. And speaking of people that know hockey, we'll close on this. Oh my God, Steve Eiserman, he's done it again, Ian. He's freaking done it again. I don't. I have no words. I have no words for this trade. I was in shock. I was in shock when I thought this was Anthony Mantha for Jacob Rana and Richard Panic. And then I saw that there was also a first and a second round pick and my jaw dropped to the floor with nothing against Anthony Mantha, who has three points in two games as a Washington capital. This was a trade raping. This was, this was unbelievable. I, I was speechless. What did you think about, uh, let me read it one time. Capitals acquire Anthony Mantha from Detroit. In exchange for Jacob Brown, Richard Panic, first round pick in 2021 and a second round pick in 2022. What did you think about this, Ian? Yeah, like I heard on 31 Thoughts that both of these guys were in their like old respective team's doghouse at the time. I guess J- Jacob Brown for some reason. Um, Anthony Mantha, who we know, like just never quite lived up to what people thought he was going to be in Detroit. Um and I, and I kind of get Detroit moving them now, too, because it's like, okay, they don't think, I think, what, he's older than Verona, right? And I think they've reassessed what they're doing in Detroit, and they've realized it's going to take a little bit longer for them to rebuild than they thought. And so they're trying to get some younger pieces um, to kind of reset a bit. And so I was like, I like Jacob Verona a lot. And to me, it just feels like he's going to fit so much better on the Red Wings. Um, than Mantha is on the Capitals and then on top of that you got a first like if anything these guys should be pretty close to one for one and I would still like Verona better and then he got Eisman got like okay I got the better player I think and then I got a first uh, for it as well which I know they yeah. said well then it's like for Ponick or it's whatever you know it's two separate trades but like really I mean, it is what it is. You got the piece, you got your pieces, they got their pieces and you got a first as part of it. And so it's, it was pretty crazy. Like you said, um, does have feelings of like the Martin Erat for uh, Philip Forsberg trade, which, which was another trade that, that, that uh, Washington made and got like the, the shorter end of the stick on. I don't know if those would be quite so bad, but it's just like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I just, 
how much of a doghouse is Verona in? And maybe I just don't know their situation. Is he like RFA soon? Does he have Arbrights or something? Like, I just don't know why, what the purpose was of getting rid of uh, Verona for the Capitals. Yeah, I think he might have Arbrights. Uh, let me look it up and see if I can find out for you real quick. Guess I got to type Red Wings and not Capitals because that's where he is now. Um, he is a RFA with arbitration rights and he is making 3.3 million this year. So he's going to probably get a big number, but he's also freaking great. He's freaking phenomenal. I can't find the statistic now. I'm, I'm trying to look for it, but I heard, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty freaking high on goals for for 60, um, you know, over the last uh, few seasons. Um but he's just not getting the ice time that other team, other players are getting. Yeah. He's got in 1920, he had 3.9 this year. He's got 4.6 goals, four per 60, um, which seems pretty good, man. I don't know. It seems good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's really good. He's really good at hockey. Um, that 4.6 puts him 26th in the league. But if you control, number of games i'm sure it's a lot higher than that um i just that that plus the two picks to me i think anthony mantha is a fine player and i think he'll fit in well with the capitals but he was also a player that was like very publicly on the outs and always kind of always has been in detroit mm-hmm. troy it and oh, yeah. um he's making 5.7 a year for four more years, which is like right at the top of what he's worth. Um, it just seems to me like this is a deal that you paid the top that anyone could possibly pay to get this guy. And you did it right as the deadline expires. And it just feels like, man, maybe you should have waited until the off season unless you really think this is the piece that gets you over the line for a Stanley cup this year. Um, you know, it really feels like this should have been a wait and see because you're, you weren't going to pay any more than this at any point, you know, like you weren't going to pay more next year or in the summer to get this guy because you couldn't conceivably pay more for this freaking guy than you just paid. So I don't know. It just, it just really seems like Iserman fleeced. Um, I just really, I don't, I don't see how you don't see this as like an Iserman fleece job for a guy who's fine, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, that's top dollar baby and good for Iserman, good for the Red Wings. They now have a, they have, um, let me do the math. 12 picks this year and 10 picks next year, two firsts, three seconds, two thirds and two fourths and two fifths this year, plus a sixth and no seventh and a first two seconds, a first three fourths, a fifth and a sixth and a seventh next year. Like they are set up to do what you need to do. They can continue to rebuild Dylan Larkin still only 24 somehow um you know they've got a lot of young pieces that'll make a big impact soon 
it sucks that they didn't get Lafreniere this year. They should have. The lottery draft has been changed a little bit because of how bad they got screwed, but this still feels like an amazing deal. Good for them, I say. I say good for them, Ian. A plus. Exactly. So that's the trade deadline. Ian, we've been here a long time. You have any more final thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to some blues hockey because we play today and don't play again until Thursday. And please, for the love of God, just beat the Coyotes. I'm already tired of having seen the Coyotes like seven times in a row. It hasn't been long enough since we last played them. Um, That's true. And it's, yeah, you know, we're down to, we're past the trade deadline. I think we have less now, even with the rescheduled games, we have like less than four weeks left uh, for the season. So it's, it's definitely do or die, like Armstrong said. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they do or they die. <laughs> and we'll find out. That's the only, all we got to do now is wait and ask the question. So uh, we'll know a lot more by next time. Hopefully if the games, well, I guess if the games actually happen, we should still only get two, right? But yep. um, we'll be coming off the heels of one of those. And if they're both losses, then oh boy, who knows how that podcast will be, but uh, this is 19, 17, and 16 that we're convinced is a competitor. So, you know, that's uh, one way to go about it. But folks, that's uh, that's that's the episode for today. Uh, to those of you who aren't 30 yet, cherish it. Hold on to it. Stay there. Stay as long as you can. Uh, and to those of you who are, you know, past that threshold with us, I'm so sorry. And uh, best of luck to you all in these dark days ahead. Uh, This is is the shadow realm. That's right. Welcome to the shadow realm. And good afternoon, everybody. See ya. Yeah.